Hi, I'm Elise Lunen, Chief Content Officer here at Goop and co-host with GP of the Goop podcast. Today's episode is made possible by our friends at Keds, and it's easily one of my favorite episodes because we're talking to two of my favorite people who happen to be a couple of the greatest living intuitives in the world. Before we get into that, let me tell you a little bit about my fashion choices. My ideal event attire involves a pair of sneakers, so I really appreciated the wall of Ked's shoes at our last wellness summit in Goop Health. As guests walked in the door, they got hooked up with a pair of classic white Keds. It was cool to be able to partner with a brand that has been designing for women for so long. Keds made the first woman's sneaker in 1916, and today they pride themselves on being a brand that makes sneakers for women by women. The company is a whopping 88% female, and their leadership team is all women. To learn more about Keds, check out keds.com slash our story. That's keds.com slash our story. And if you're shopping on the Keds site, use code GOOP20 for 20% off full-priced items. That's GOOP20. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. So today, it's actually two extraordinary guests. At our last InGoop Health Summit in New York, I got to sit down with both Laura Day and Laura Lynn Jackson. If you don't know them, they are incredibly gifted intuitives and mediums, as well as best-selling authors. Laura Day is most known for her book, The Circle, and Laura Lynn's debut was The Light Between Us. Her second book, which I cannot wait to read, is called Signs and comes out in June. We actually had Laura on the podcast in the early days for an episode called Are We All Psychic? But back to this conversation. As always, I was profoundly impacted by what the two Lauras had to say about how we can all cultivate and draw from the power of our own intuition in our daily lives. I cried a little bit. But ultimately, we decided to share this conversation here because it's one that made us feel really grateful and optimistic. I hope you'll find that's true for you too. We all have this ability and honoring it and kind of opening to it more, opening our minds and our hearts to it. It really can transform not only our own lives, but the lives of others around us. All right, without further ado, let's get to today's chat. It's no secret that I love these two women deeply. Not only do they give me guidance occasionally or as needed, but they've also become great friends. Mm -hmm. And I really love them and they remind me of 
the benevolence of women and the importance of like all the light that we bring in the world and how we cast it on each other. And so anyway, so thank you for your friendship. To see the mm -hmm. two of you together thank you. is wildly hilarious. There are a lot of spirits in the room, guys. <laughs> so for the uninitiated in the room, can you, I sort of have my understanding of the spectrum of intuition from that knocking on the gut to full-blown medium. What does it look like? You know, I think we all have these intuitive abilities. We are born with them. They are inherent in us. And what ends up happening, I think, is when we start formal schooling around age five, and by the time we're seven, we've really shifted out of our intuitive ability to connect with one another and understand the world and perceive things around us to getting stuck in this kind of frontal lobe. And, you know, I work with scientists, too, and when they have mind-mapped me in normal mode versus reading mode, in normal mode, I look like everybody else for the most part, and all the brainwave activity takes place in that frontal lobe. It's the part that people who do meditation call the monkey mind. It's always going and chattering. And I think there is something so much greater within each of us that we distance ourselves from, and it's our job to honor it and reconnect with it, and that has to do with our intuition and our intuitive abilities. I always talk about that we each have a psychic toolbox. And I talk about the four clairs always that I like to open to and get people to open to and develop more in order to have these profound connections and honor their connections to people here in their lives on earth, but also to people who have crossed to the other side who they're still very much connected to and guided by. So there's clairvoyance, which is clear seeing and each and every one of you actually has that experience within every 24-hour period because when we sleep at night, our frontal lobes shut down and you are able to connect more fully with your clairvoyance ability. So think about a time where you might have had a precognitive dream where you got information that helped you on your path, whether it was symbolic in nature or it showed you something or think about a time that when you were sleeping, you had a visitation from a loved one who had crossed. And those dreams, they always feel like 3D. You feel as if it truly happened and they stay very fresh in your energy when you wake up. So it's really an experience that you'll take with you. So years later, it can still feel as fresh as when you had that visitation dream. So that's one of the clairs. There's clear audience, which means clear hearing, and that's when you hear a thought that's not yours. It's not scary or anything, but a lot of times it will direct you or guide you. I think this happens for many of us and we dismiss it. I think we dismiss a lot of our intuitive abilities because you know they don't fit into the paradigm that we've been trained in of the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe's in charge of analytical thinking, critical thinking, math skills, language skills, You know where you get stuck once you start formal schooling. But again, when you sleep at night, you open clairvoyantly. All these things will kind of happen to you and kind of trickle into your life. It's your job to recognize when they're happening and then to open to it more fully because it will always help guide you. There's claircognizance, which is clear knowing. It's the sudden download that you might have of information where you absolutely know something in every ounce of your being 
but there's no logical way that you could explain how you know it. That's always there to guide you. And then there's clairsentience, which we all have, and that takes place in this solar plexus area, and it means clear feeling, and it's where we read energy from. So whether you recognize it or not, every time you meet somebody or you know, talk to someone, you're not just experiencing them in the 3D, you're also experiencing them energetically. So I find that opening to understanding these, honoring these, maybe doing some development exercises to help open to it more fully, always puts you on your highest and best path. I also think one of the things that I love is when people talk to one another about their experiences. One thing that I have found, especially when I do my workshops or if people have read my book, they know I'm a safe place to tell their story. And I'll find a lot of people come to me and they'll say, I just have to tell you this. I've never told anybody, but I had this really unbelievable moment of connection or intuitive moment, and here's the story, because they know I'm not going to laugh. Mm -hmm. But I promise you, if you have these moments of connection or knowing or intuition, whether it's something here in the present or with a loved one who's crossed, share that story. Because that's sacred and beautiful, and you're going to find when you tell someone, they're not going to laugh at you. They're going to say, oh my gosh, I have to tell you a story. I had this moment too. And sometimes it'll be 10 years ago, but they've been holding on to it. So I think coming into this understanding that we are all deeply intuitive, we all have this ability and honoring it and kind of opening to it more, opening our minds and our hearts to it, it really can transform not only our own lives, but the lives of others around us. So I know that was a very long answer. <laughs> no, but you're a teacher. I'm into it. Teacher by training, guys. Laura, I love how practical you are. You're like the no bullshit precognition <laughs> maniac. And that you, your work is so grounded. I know you would say you're not that grounded, but that your work is so grounded in the practical life and that there are examples of intuition at work throughout our existence in corporate America, traders, like where do you see examples of intuition at work where people are making decisions they could not possibly make unassisted? Well, I mean, any trader, I mean, if you think of it, it's a, I think, and pardon me, men, I'm sorry, I'm going to say something a little sexist. It's a, it's a typical male thought that you're making a well-reasoned decision in a millisecond on the floor of an exchange. Mm -hmm. So, you know, actually, my easiest students to train are in finance, are traders, because they have to use intuition all the time. They don't have time to reach into the subconscious or reach out toward their intellect and make a well-reasoned decision. So really, intuition is a survival skill. It's a default skill. I think that one of the most helpful things that you all can do to train your own intuition to help you, because your intuition can also get in your way, is to really document it, to make your intuition evidence-based. Because I have found, you know, I, I work mostly with, with corporations, and they see what I do, and I put them in situations when I do groups where they're doing it, and you have to trick companies into getting data intuitively for each other because it's a scary thing for them. But I trick them into it, and still, they would rather hire me than train their own staff because I think that we, it is a natural human desire to hope that there's someone out there that can be our Messiah, and that person is you. So the way that I train is really the way I was trained, 
It's document, first of all, know what your questions and your goals are. Because all of you are getting intuition all the time, you just don't know where to file it. It's kind of like my closet, you know? I know I have 20 blue skirts, I just can't find them. So if you, if you know your targets and goals, get them out of your messy mind, write them down, and then pick one and work on it for a week. And what you'll notice is, as those left field impressions come in, if you document them, they will create a map for you, and you will be alerting your subconscious to the fact that you have a useful skill. One of the things that I always say to groups is that, yes, we're the honey and the bear. You know, we're, the, we're prettily packaged, and people recognize, oh yeah, well, that's the bear with the honey. But Actually, for free, you can get honey in a jar, or for less. The person sitting next to you is your intuitive. The person sitting next to you is your healer. Sit next to someone and write down a question and say, okay, just where does your attention go? And if, you have, if the person will verbalize everything that they're experiencing, every place their attention goes, and you write it down, what you'll find is everyone can give you data. I think evidence-based intuition is very, very important. Because I, I always say to my students, the only difference between psychic and psychotic is that your information is right. Otherwise, you're just seeing things other people don't see. So documenting is important. I started, I'm going to be 60 this month, and I started in the early 80s. And in the early 80s, we didn't have this real acceptance, which we do now. Some of you people who, all of you people who are younger than I am, probably all of you, don't realize how far we actually have come. When I started as an intuitive, I was a lab rat, basically. Universities were doing experiments on what can the human mind do? Can the human mind go to a remote location? Can the human mind do X, Y, and Z? And like all scientists, they decided that, oh, wow, after testing myself and a couple other people, that yes, but only freaks can do it. My first book is basically, I took all the experiments that were done on me and did it on everybody. And everybody has this ability, but what we do is we keep it in the, the mystical. And, and mysticism is wonderful, but life is so complicated and difficult that if you actually have targets, notice your intuition, document your, your responses, and get responses from others, you will find that you have a tool that will help your relationship, that will help your business, and will also help you know when other people's energy is affecting you in a way that's counterproductive for you. Okay, we're done. I'm kidding. <laughs> you mentioned training, and I think that's another myth to bust about intuitives and mediums. Your book is fascinating because you really talk about your journey as you're developing your skill. It's like a, a language, beyond a language. It's maybe the most complex language, and translating it takes experience and time. And I think we also, when you talk about the sphere of the mysticism, we want to believe that it's magic, but it's actually requires work, training, understanding, and time. And I think that, so I just wanted to say, I feel like there's a, a misunderstanding that it's p perfect magic. And I know how wildly accurate you both are, which I think is really important because there are certainly a lot of undeveloped psychics and people who maybe aren't psychic at all that call themselves psychic. And where I'm going with this is when, you, when you're starting and you want to be able to, to do this yourself and honor your gut and, and get information, like, is the hit rate 5%, 10%? Can I address this? Yeah. 
you are the hardest person for you to read because you know what you hope for, you know what you're afraid of, you have far too much information to not be able to project and intellectualize. However, if someone doesn't know you, doesn't know your question, but you have a question out of your messy mind written down, and I do this on Instagram, once a week I have strangers read each other, and you will find that actually if you remove everything you know, everyone is a pretty unbelievable intuitive. The problem really in the training comes in with how do I work when I have information? How do I create a methodology that I can move to the side of the information and allow intuition in? And that's very hard. There's only, there are two places people do that, their area of expertise. So whatever you're successful at, that is where your intuition is working for you. Also your area of greatest neurotic preoccupation. So where you walk into the same wall over and over, your intuition is helping you find that wall over and over and over again. So it is important to train intuition to be able to integrate it into your own life so you don't always have to ask somebody else. Can I tell you guys a fun fact? Because you mentioned you can't read for yourself. Like, all the working, like the incredible working psychics and mediums and intuitives are all friends and they all, most of them live in Long Island and then they all get together. <laughs> Except and like, for me, I'm the orphan. Yeah. They all get together and like read each other and commune. Just, I guess, like the advice that you're giving the rest of us. But it's funny. I mean, you don't really read for yourselves. So... It's just less, it's not impossible, it's just less perfect. I always say that a phone conversation between us is, hi, Laura, how am I? And she'll say, well, you know, I feel like, and then she'll say, hi, Laura, how am I? And it is lovely. I mean, I think we all love to have a common language, whatever our experiences are. And we are weirdos in the real world. And it is lovely to have a common language, to be able to sit at dinner with our dead people and not make a thing out of it, just have them there and chat with them when we need to. I mean, it is a very... <laughs> very nice, organic feeling, and not a feeling you should live on, because we are temporarily in bodies, and we are here to make a go of it. And that's, I think, where intuition belongs. And sometimes, that, I want to tell a Laura story. So I'm the worst skeptic, because I was trained in a lab 40 years ago. So I am skeptical of all of this. People have to really prove themselves. So I'm talking to Laura, and someone's given me her as a gift. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, another one of these. And she says to me something that changed my life. My mother committed suicide two days after my 14th birthday. And I've always thought, wow, you know, I thought she really loved me, but what shit timing. And Laura said to me, by the way, someone important in your life waited to die until a special day had passed for you. Reframing that was profound for me in my life and really reframed how I felt about all the people who loved me and whatever mistakes or intentions they may have. So, I mean, these things are pretty... Why are you laughing? I'm not. I'm crying. Oh. Huh. <laughs> Your crying looks like laughing. That is a good gift to have. You know, part of that, too, is I think that people who come across our paths... There's no coincidence. And I think, I think that's the first conversation we ever had. Talk about an awkward start to a friendship. Hey, I'm going to read you. Let's see. You know, because when you 
When you tune into somebody else's energy, you find out a lot of intimate details that you would not get if you stayed in that kind of frontal lobe of just having a normal conversation. And I think there has to be a willingness on your part to, to be vulnerable like that and to open. So I think people who cross your path, if you are getting information for them or about them, that's kind of the universe nudging you and saying to you, that connection for you, that friendship, that person in your life, that's a good thing. That's good for your path. Look for people whose energy you align with because it's really like opening a door to something beautiful. And I think it's funny that you're talking about that I call you and say, how am I? Because I don't even need to call her. She will text me and she'll be like, okay, this is what I just got for you. What just happened? And I'll be like, oh my God, this just happened 20 minutes ago. You it's know, she's, intrusive. This is, no, it's, but it's beautiful. <laughs> and I think that's part of our intuitive abilities. You have to have a willingness to drop that kind of wall that a lot of us carry around from not letting people know who we really are, what's really going on, you know, smiling and saying we're having a great day when maybe we're not. Because I think when you do open like that, and you do tune in like that, your life can become so much more beautiful and meaningful. You know, I love what you said about like, it seems magical, but it's not. I'm actually gonna disagree, and I'm gonna say it is magical, but it's not reserved for just people like Laura and myself, who are psychic mediums. It's for all of you. There is a magical language of connection going on constantly in your life between the cords of connection to people who matter to you on earth and your constant connection with them and also your connection to what I call your team of light on the other side. So anybody you loved who's crossed, there's this beautiful cord of connection, almost like a fishing line you can tug on that's there. We're all connected to this God energy of just love that's part of us all and unites us all. And then not to sound too woo-woo, but we all have spirit guides who help guide us as well. So when we open intuitively, we're really making a beautiful statement to the universe that we're ready to see the magic. Because there have been times that you probably followed an intuitive pull to go somewhere, even though logically you're like, I don't really want to go, but I feel like I need to. And you met somebody who ended up having a profound meaning on your path in life. You can think about this in reverse. Look at the people you love that maybe you weren't born into their family, but your friends or your significant others. How did you meet? What was the process? What led you to that person? You can kind of see the magic of connection that's there. So intuition is magical, but it's not reserved for just a couple people. Everybody has that. It's just opening your mind. And what I meant to tell you before, if I didn't finish, was it, the frontal lobe is not the intuitive part. When we shut that down and quiet it, other parts of our brain kind of light up and wave, you know, the brainwave activity lights up and that's where the intuition happens and that's what you're using when you sleep at night and you're having your connections. So you can do that in the waking hours too, absolutely. So I have a dear friend who is a medical intuitive, Mona Lisa Schultz. She's a MD, PhD, neuropsychiatrist, Brown trained, and for some reason beyond my ability to imagine, she decided to be a medical intuitive. So with two degrees, she's a medical intuitive. And she says, here's the trifecta for exquisite intuition. 
you need to have early childhood trauma, preferably before the age of five, a slight seizure disorder, and at least one traumatic head injury. And that is because you, you can't, you know, you look at a room full of, of childhood intuitives, and they're all over the place. They're people, you know, it takes a lot of work to have an ADD brain and to be functional. Everyone has something. But it, the, I don't train young people because you really need to structure your ego, structure your life, have good reality testing, and then apply intuition to the things that you want to create in your life. The way I trained my son, hopefully this isn't, he's not going to see this, when my son turned 17, I thought, okay, I, we were in Italy, I'm just going to do something quickly. What, what will give him the template for getting good intuitive information? So every morning when he woke up, I had him predict whether the euro would close above or below its open against the dollar. And when it got his first week where he got it 85%, I said, you never have to do this again. It's really important to also apply your intuition to things that you get feedback about that beyond the statistic of chance, you can see, okay, I did this, and everyone has their own unique inner methodology for it. I did this, and here is actually proof in the world. And now, what do I want to apply that to? Because I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure, other than being beautiful and perfect and innovative and spiritual, there's so much pressure to be so much. And the simple act of being human, I personally think, is a lot of work. I mean, just getting up, getting dressed, brushing your teeth, planning your day, it's a lot of work. So if you can take these skills and take also the guidance that's around you and channel it into how do I have a better Earth reality and how do I get real uh, feedback that what I'm doing is effective, all of a sudden, you have, I think, a really wonderful life skill. Let's take a quick break. In my past life, working in magazines in New York City, I wore heels all the time. But I somehow shed that habit when I moved to Los Angeles several years ago. And now I'm all about wearing sneakers as many days of the week as possible. Sneakers with jeans, sneakers with dresses, sneakers with skirts. You get the picture. I love a classic white sneaker, and Keds makes arguably one of the most iconic versions at a price point I also appreciate. What I didn't know about their OG women's sneaker, called the Champion, is that Keds first launched it in 1916, and at the time, women's sneakers didn't yet exist. Since then, Keds has of course continued to create shoes for women. And behind their shoes, there's more women. Keds is 88% female, and their leadership team is comprised entirely of women. This is pretty similar to our team makeup at Goop. Well, we have one amazing guy on our executive team. He's pretty great, and also very comfortable being in his feminine. If you want to learn more about how Keds is championing women, just head to keds.com slash ourstory. That's keds.com slash our story. And if you're planning to do some shopping while you're on the Keds site, plug in code GOOP20 at checkout. That's good for 20% off full-priced items. Again, that's code GOOP20. There's a lot of stuff nobody tells you about pregnancy. Here's what I wish someone had told me. 
that I would stop sleeping early on in pregnancy, that I would bleed a lot, both during delivery and after, that you really won't care if you poop on the table. Here's what I really wish someone had told me, that a single prenatal pill probably isn't enough, particularly if you are not an immaculate eater. I'm not a doctor, and I've never played one on TV, but after I had my first kid, I met with a functional medicine practitioner who practices in the Australian bush. His name is Dr. Oscar Serlak, and he's come to specialize in helping women recover after kids. In his family practice, and with his own partner, Dr. Serlak was finding that women were just not feeling like themselves even a few years after giving birth, which has also been my experience and something that I know a lot of moms I've talked to can relate to. Dr. Serlak put me on a vitamin and supplement regimen, which the team at Goop eventually worked with him on so that we could make it available to more women. We call it the mother load. It's essentially the Rolls Royce of prenatal vitamins. It's ideally taken leading up to and throughout pregnancy and then some months after, which is pretty easy to do because everything you need is broken up into daily packets. Each packet includes six tablets, including DHA. There's also a multivitamin, a calcium and magnesium tablet, and a dose of choline. It's the jam. I took the mother load to rebuild post baby, and if I ever had another kid, I would take the mother load the whole time. You can learn more about the mother load on Goop along with our other vitamin protocols Balls in the Air, Why Am I So Effing Tired, Madam Ovary, and High School Jeans. Like I said, each box of vitamins and supplements comes with 30 daily packets, and you can subscribe so you never run out. If you want to go ahead and order a box of the mother load now, we'll include a second box on us. Just go to goop.com slash motherloadpodcast and enter promo code MOTHER. That's goop.com slash motherloadpodcast and use promo code MOTHER to get a 30-day supply on us. Let's get back to my chat with Laura Day and Laura Lynn Jackson. I want to just say, too, you taught me this, and I know you have a terrible memory, so you won't remember, but... um, ADD in action. Yeah, So you've talked a lot about how do you know a sign is a sign when someone's passed and when is it real? And you were like, you know, I'm going to one-up that in a way. When someone you love passes, like you put them to work. Some of you may know that someone very close to me passed named Peter and I put Peter to work. You were like, put him to work at what Peter does best. I do it all the time. He finds me parking spots flawlessly. Um, He makes things happen. And I I feel like moving it into that practical, you know, it's like almost sometimes not enough to even know is there. It's like, I need him, need to work for it. Just wanted to throw that out there that I feel like harnessing what's available as much as you're receiving to apply to our, to apply to our lives. Yeah. I mean, it really, I, I think we don't respect ourselves enough for the good enough job that we are all doing as human beings. And then when you also have the intention to grow, that's even better than good enough. But just good enough is a lot of work. And I think neglecting that and and requiring from ourselves that we transcend everything human in so many ways puts an enormous burden. And intuition should really be something that helps you with your life. Yeah. So when do you know, when would any of us know, like when we're not listening? Is it just that insistent? You know, sometimes I I actually do that on purpose and don't listen to just validate for myself that 
this is real. I, I really like tangible proof. We're very much alike in that. I'm not just saying, hey, just trust this and believe this. It's really important to test it. And so there have been times that I've gotten what I call claircognizant downloads, just an absolute knowing of something that I've decided to do it anyway to just double check that what I was getting was real. I don't do it in really dire situations, but when it comes to like, let's say I'm driving and this has happened and I'm going my normal route home from my office and I'll get this download, don't go the way you normally do. You need to go the long way, bear to the left. And I'm like, all right, let's just test this. Let, let me just find out the why. And every time I test it, it's the same lesson. The road is closed. There's been an accident. I witnessed something that's upsetting, whatever it might be. So here's where there's like a win-win. Mm -hmm. If you get a knowing and you test it, it just reinforces for you that this intuitive download you got or information is authentic so that next time you can trust it more. And I think that's really the word that I'm getting to is trust. So many of us have these intuitive moments that guide us away from danger or away from relationships that might not help us grow, and we choose to ignore it. So if you're one of those people, and trust me, I think we all have those moments where we've ignored it and then been like, I should have listened, don't be upset with yourself for that. Take it as a learning moment and a learning lesson and let it reinforce for you that you do have this within yourself to be guided by your own intuition, to trust it and to grow from it. I, want to I have to tell my, how I met my husband's story. Do it. So, you know, we think of intuition as something that's good, that always points us in the right direction. But we are creatures of patterns. I mean, a lot of adulthood is working through those patterns we have from our past. And so intuition can also help really find you the same disaster. I realized the last time I was single that one place I was not intuitive because I was raised in a very traumatic household of not very well people. Who, all of whom I adore, but not very well people, I realized that I was picking partners like my parents and that even my 40 years of psychotherapy and all that introspection and all the journaling, that that was just not a part of myself that was healed yet. And so I know my intuition's great with money, it's great with finding female friends, but not finding male partners. So. I decided to do a big girl thing, that any man I liked or any man who asked me out absolutely was not going out with. I was going to use my self-control. And I asked my two friends who had long relationships with wonderful men to pick me men that they thought was suitable, were suitable to use their intuition. Those were the only men I dated. And I met the man who was to become my husband at the Odeon, at my favorite booth. And I sat down with him, and I found him so boring. He had no <laughs> deep, unresolved pain. He loved his parents. There was nothing to grab onto. He was just this white bread, successful, nice, good to his ex-wife, great father, journalist, successful. And it just, there was nothing there. And I was just so lucky that he decided to stick it out. And, and my friend said, listen, you both have to go to the same premieres. You can be each other's plus one. And I, I 
literally wake up every morning and thank whatever wisdom is inside of me or in this world for Stephen Schiff, the man that I married, even though I said I'd never get married again. But I knew, wait, my patterns are stronger than my intuition, so my intuition is picking my history and not my chosen destiny. And that's something really important to know. Everybody, when they're scared someone's going to leave them, uses their intuition to figure out if the person's going to leave them. That's not a good thing. You know, you need to use your intuition where you know you are successful intuitively and where you're not, ask for support. That's why we have each other. And especially women are so good at that when we open ourselves up. We're compulsively generous beings. And Mona Lisa can tell you how the brain's structured that way, but use, don't assume that just because you're getting a sense that it is good or it is right or that it is some trauma you need to endure to learn from, ask to mm. figure out another way. Interesting. I mean, that's, I feel like we put hurdles and lessons in front of ourselves and that because it feels like good sport. I mean, is there a version of life that's not full of those things, or is that how we develop and grow? I always say pain is a passage, not a destination, and we're used to living in pain. You know, pain should be, okay, I'm alert to this, now let me get more information to do something differently. But yeah, I mean, I think ups and downs are part of life, but being able to be resilient and move through them, that is something that takes practice, intuition, and lots of other stuff. Laura? What? You know, it's, it's a tricky question to answer because when I read for people too, sometimes I'll see that they're in what I call a certain soul cycle. So we all have kind of cycles that our souls go through, cycles of learning. It might be a few years. It might be dependent on working something through in a relationship. And there have been many, many times that I have seen that the person I'm reading for had a soul contract with somebody, a soul who maybe wasn't as evolved. I call those people purple energy. And the person I'm reading for, his soul was more evolved, so they kind of agreed before we got here to be a point of light, a point of love in that lower evolved soul's life in order to see if that lower soul could grow out of his or her love for the sitter. 95% of the time, I would say purple energy souls are unable to do that. And it makes the other person's life path tricky. Mm. But there's usually a set amount of time that the purple energy lower soul has to get it together and pass that test. And if they don't, let's say it's a soul cycle of seven years, then the person is released. So it's a tricky question because I think sometimes really difficult, challenging relationships are put in our path because we've agreed to it. And that there's a timeline that has to cycle through before we're released from it. Or maybe we're growing from it in some fantastic way too. So I don't know that difficult things are always that your intuition failed you. There have been times in my life where I have met somebody and their energy is very, how do I say, not my cup of tea, no judgment, just like I have a little bit of an allergic reaction. But at the same time that I'm having that energetic intuition, I'm getting a claircognizant download that's, that would be translated something like this, but you're meant to meet that person and connect with them anyway. And then I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. And I think there are some times we're meant to be in difficult relationships or 
challenge ourselves in different ways. It doesn't always mean your intuition failed you, but what you need to do if you are in a situation either in your career or your personal relationships or whatever it might be, it's very important for you to go deep into your intuition and take a moment and try and focus in or receive the information about why you're in it and how it's helping you. You might be shocked at what you get. See, everybody thinks they need to come to someone like me or Laura to get their information, and the truth is you don't. If you can do a meditation, even if it's just for two minutes where you do some breathing and you just wait to see what comes through you, you're gonna find you get a lot intuitively, a lot of your own answers. So I hope I answered that question. Yeah. I think I went off on a little Can segue there. Can I jump there. in with something? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, one way intuition really helps us is the goal of life is not to avoid obstacles. We'd never learn how to walk if we didn't want to fall. The goal of life is to say, okay, this is the lesson plan. This is what's happening right now. How do I use it? in a good way, no matter what's happening, because stuff will happen. No one that I have met personally is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. You know, there are cracks everywhere, and as that song goes, that's where the light gets in. So the question is, yes, I'm in a breakup, I'm grief-stricken, I'm torn apart. How do I use this now to make my life better? Oh, my business failed. How do I use it? Whether it should have happened or was part of your destiny, on some level, only means something in the fabric of your own inner mythology, but in terms of, I mean, really, we, we are the same from different, with different language, but really, your, your goal is, what do, do I need to apply, what do I need to acquire to make this work for me, however imperfect it may be in the moment? And sometimes that is really hard to do. I mean, none of it is easy, and I've grown up in the self-help world. I mean, I started 40 years ago. And I've seen many guru healers who get someone else to get their prescription of penicillin because they don't want to admit that they can't heal something, even if they're a fabulous healer. Because the idea that something has to be perfect to be useful is uh, somehow has really seeped into our culture, especially as women, in a devastating way. Mm. We're all imperfectly perfect, and the idea is, how do I use what I have? How do I work with what's going on? And how do I work with my vulnerabilities, the flip side, to create what I want? Thanks for listening to my conversation with Laura Day and Laura Lynn Jackson. I could be on here for another four hours talking about how much I love them, but I'll spare you. Check out their work at laura-day.com and laurelynjackson.com. Read The Circle by Laura Day, as well as How to Rule the World from Your Couch, and The Light Between Us by Laura Lynn. And while you're at it, pre-order a copy of Laura Lynn's new book, The Signs. And if you want a chance to see Laura Day in action, check out our next InGoop Health Wellness Summit, which is in Los Angeles on May 18th. For tickets, head to goop.com and Goop Health. And that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you again for tuning into the Goop podcast. I love hearing what you think. So please hit us up on social, rate, review, share with a friend. And if you like what you're hearing, just tap subscribe. Oh, and don't miss this Thursday's episode. GP is talking to arguably one of the most influential people in our culture right now.